Nine children in the U.S. now have monkeypox. Carvana seems to have some legal trouble, and a judge permanently blocks Biden's oil and gas leasing program in 13 states. I'm your host, Zach, and this is Zach's Fact Shack. Hello, and welcome back to Zach's Fact Shack. Again, we have a lot to cover today. It's going to be pretty big in what we talk about. Um, I'm not necessarily looking forward to it, but I do want to get this information out there, and I want you to start thinking about it. So if I if I want this information out, I'm going to need your guys' help to get it out. So don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast wherever you're watching or listening. That's on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, uh, wherever you want to go. The best place to find all those links to share them with your friends is going to be zacksfactcheck.com. That's where you can reach out to me. Let me know what you're thinking. Maybe you have some news ideas. Maybe you have some stories. Let me know. So let's go ahead and get started because, guys, there's there's a lot to cover here. First off, we're going to get going straight out of the gate with an NBC News headline that simply says, Sex between men, not skin contact, is fueling monkeypox according to new research. The claim that skin-to-skin contact during sex between men, not intercourse itself, drives most monkeypox transmissions is likely backwards, a growing group of experts say. So what does this this mean? Well, if you've you've watched my previous episodes, I've covered monkeypox pretty in-depth. I've told you that the best way to avoid getting it was to simply not have uh, orgies with a bunch of guys, and you should be pretty fine, especially if you don't have orgies with guys who've had orgies with a bunch of guys. You should be good. You're not really going to get it. So let's go in and let's dig a little deeper because there are now reports that uh, there are now nine confirmed cases in the U.S. of monkeypox in minors. Now, let's read this article. So I, I need you to understand there are nine children, children, nine of them in the U.S. who have monkeypox. Let's read this article and see if you can understand why I'm so furious right now. Since the outset of the global monkeypox outbreak in May, public health and infectious disease experts have told the public that the virus is largely transmitted through skin-to-skin contact, in particular during sex between men. Now, however, an expanding cadre of experts has come to believe that sex between men itself, both anal and as well as oral intercourse, is likely the main driver of global the of global monkeypox transmission. Skin the skin contact that comes with sex, these experts say, is probably much less of a risk risk factor. So, what they're saying is that what they previously thought was that it was skin-to-skin contact. That, that's really what it was. And since you are in such an intimate uh, embrace during sexual intercourse, that that's what it was. The skin was close enough that you were, you were, that contact was good, to, uh, good enough to transmit the disease. Now they are finding that that is actually backwards. It's not the skin-to-skin contact that transmitted the d- disease. It's actually act of intercourse that is doing it. In recent weeks, a growing body of scientific evidence, including a trio of studies published in peer-reviewed journals, as well as reports from national, regional, and global health authorities, has suggested that experts may have framed monkeypox typical transmission route precisely backwards. 
Reconceiving the primary risk factors for transmission is crucial because of how it may affect guidance on reducing the risk of infection, including the question of whether demanding that people with virus with the virus self-isolate has any substantial impact on transmission. A grow- growing body of evidence supports that sexual transmission, tr- particularly through seminal fluids, is occurring with the current MPX outbreak. Dr. Hazra, medical director of the University of Chicago Sexual Wellness Clinic, referring to monkeypox in uh, to recent studies that found the virus in semen. Consequently, scientists told NBC News that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and other public health authorities should update their monkeypox communication strategies to more strongly emphasize the centrality, the centrality of intercourse among gay and bisexual men who comprise nearly all U.S. cases to the virus spread. Now, I want to go back. I, I want to go back to this one sentence and you'll understand why I'm so furious. A growing body of evidence supports that sexual transmission, particularly through seminal fluid, is occurring with the current outbreak. I'm going to read that again. I want you to understand exactly what I'm saying. A growing body of evidence supports that sexual transmission, particularly through seminal fluids, is occurring with the current outbreak. There are nine children who have contracted monkeypox. Particularly through seminal fluids. Why are we not asking questions? There are just nine children who have contracted this disease that that is transmissible primarily through semen. There are nine children infected with a disease that is sexually transmitted. Are you are you understanding what I'm saying here, guys? There are nine children in the United States of America who we know have a disease that is sexually transmitted, and no one is asking any questions. I have a lot of questions. Why do these kids have this sexually transmitted disease? I mean, are you are you understanding what I am saying here? There are nine children, nine children who have a sexually transmitted disease, and we're asking no questions. How in the world can we come to a place in our society where that would be okay? No, no, let's, let's say maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's not sexually transmitted. Maybe it is skin-to-skin contact. 
there are two ways that we know that it primarily transmits. Sexual. And getting the secretions of the pustules created by the disease into a wound on your body. Now, what we know is that these lesions, these lesions that grow on your body, seem to grow with primary contact areas. So, anal, genital, and oral locations are where these pox form. There are two out of those three places that no child should ever encounter. And again, we know that the it seems like all the information is pointing to now that the most likely time for infection is once the pox have developed on your skin. That that is the that is seems to be the method of transmission outside of seminal fluid. You see what they're saying is that the disease, the virus, is being carried in the semen, in the seminal fluid. But the only other way to catch it is to come in contact with the pustules and then get them into a wound on your body. Why is no one asking questions of this? Why are there nine kids that have a disease that can only be received through seminal fluid or through touching the pustules that form near the areas of infection, such as genitals, anal, and oral locations? We have no information on that. Nobody's talking about why these kids have that. If there is no other time that you share this video, that you share this podcast, this is the time that I'm asking you to do it. Because this is the moment that we need to get answers. Now, I am not sitting here and telling you that I have those answers. In fact, I'm telling you exactly the opposite. But I have a lot of questions, and no one seems to be paying attention to those questions. And I'm going to say it again, because I want it ingrained in your mind. Why are nine kids infected with a sexually transmitted disease? And why is no one asking that question? We already know that the current administration is hesitant to give advice and direction saying to stop having orgies because they feel that it would um, isolate and would marginalize the gay population. I don't give a rat's behind who it marginalizes if it stops kids from getting a sexually transmitted disease. 
I want answers and I want them fast. This this article from ABC News, let me let me read to you what it says and you let's see what you think. So the title is that the ninth child in US tests positive for monkeypox. A child in Oregon is tested positive for monkeypox. State, state health officials announced Wednesday, marking the ninth reported pediatric case in the U.S. We have known we have a known connection to a previously diagnosed case. Dr. Dean Seidlinger, health officer and state epidemiologist at the Oregon Health Authority, said in a press release, "The child did not get the virus at school, childcare, or another community setting." The case has been linked to an adult monkeypox infection that was confirmed last month, officials said, adding that public health authorities received the positive test result on August 15th. Guys, this child is infected with a sexually transmitted disease, and there is a known interaction with someone who had the virus. But they're not telling us what that interaction is. They're not telling us what kind of interaction that was. I want to know, was this truly a completely healthy platonic interaction that just happened to transmit the disease, which is incredibly and increasingly unlikely? Or is this a case of sexual molestation of a child? Because I don't see it being anything else. I want answers. Now, if that's not enough to make you ask questions, I want to talk to you about the first dog who's gotten monkeypox from their his owners. So this is from CNN. First possible case of human to dog monkeypox transmission, not surprising according to the WHO. The WHO, however you want to say their name. World Health Organization, that great bastion of wisdom. CNN states that the first possible case of human to dog transmission of monkeypox recently reported in two men and their pet in Paris had been a theoretical risk up until now, said Dr. Rosamond Rosamond Lewis, technical lead on the monkeypox response for the World Health Organization. The men who live together and are in a non-exclusive relationship were diagnosed with monkeypox at a hospital in Paris in early June. Twelve days after their symptoms started, their four-year-old Italian greyhound also started showing symptoms, according to a report published last week in the journal The Lancet. The dog developed lesions lesions and tested positive for the same type of monkeypox as one of the owners. The same type of monkeypox as one of the owners. Not both of the owners, one of the owners. Would you care to guess where the lesions showed up on this dog? around its anus. What were they doing to this poor dog? 
And people are going to say, well, you are discriminating. You are marginalizing the gay community. No, I'm not. I'm marginalizing these two people who it appears raped their dog. At least one of them. Now, their statement is that according to the report, the men said that they let their dogs sleep in bed with them and that they had been careful to keep their pet away from other animals or humans from the start of their own symptoms before the dog's symptoms started. The authors suggested that the study should, this study should prompt a discussion on whether pets need to be isolated from their owners if they have monkeypox, and they called for further research. How about, and this is just a suggestion, how about we don't stop dogs? How about we don't do that? How about we don't rape dogs? We don't rape anybody. How about we not go on sexual orgies? How about we do that? I feel like that is probably going to fix a lot of this. Yep, I I think that's going to fix a lot of this right here. There is, I, this poor dog. Why is PETA not act, uh, screaming about this? Why is PETA not going after this? I genuinely do not know what to say. Except that this poor, poor dog had to go through this. There is, there are a lot of questions and I want them answered and I want them answered quickly. Now, before you think that today's entire episode is going to be depressing, I hope not. I hope that that's not the case because our next story actually is quite interesting. And it has to do with Carvana. So I have recently been looking at selling my current car just because it's it's too small um, and rather expensive to operate, especially with the gas prices as they are. So I've been wanting to get those, get get it traded out. I finally got a good deal from a dealer. Um, Looks like I'm going to be getting a new car. It's going to be much cheaper to operate, um, far more reliable. Um, just, you know, super great car. And one of the things that I had, that I had noticed is I was, I was looking at used cars for the longest time before I realized that it's actually cheaper at the moment to buy new than than it is to buy used. Because what it seems like is happening is that dealers are ordering cars in, selling them to their sales associates, their, their workers, whatever, their employees, who then drive it around for a month or two, put a couple thousand miles on it, and then sell it back to the dealership, who then marks it up 30 or 40% as a used car. So much so that the car that I'm looking at right now, which I am going to purchase, is MSRP is 25 grand. That same car with a thousand or so miles on it would cost 35 grand on the used market. 35. I don't understand how that's really a thing, but that's not where I'm going right now. 
I stumbled upon that little that little note of research when I was looking at cars, particularly on places such as CarMax and Carvana. You know, it's a lot easier to search online than it is to go running around and going to dealerships and trying to find a car, right? Um, and that's that's what I was doing. But what we've what I've run into, I was I was informed of it today. Uh, a friend of mine actually gave me the story to talk to you guys about is that Carvana is facing legal issues, including a class action lawsuit. So what they're looking at right now is, uh, according to a news report uh, held on Yahoo.com, it says the online used car retailer Carvana is facing multiple legal battles, including a class action lawsuit. Multiple drivers have complained recently about a range of issues involving a car dealer. Mark Crowell, Mark Crowell said he traded in his vehicle and bought a Chevy Silverado on Carvana. He showed, uh, he showed the paperwork and it said he doesn't owe any money, but Crowell said Carvana kept calling him saying he still owed them, owed more than $5,900. It's really hurtful because I've worked really hard to get my credit where it is, Crowell said. I'm not sure what else to do. Crowell, Crowell said that Carvana gave him a runaround but I don't have six more, uh, six more thousand to throw out. I don't, he said. North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein told the, this, the news, told this news reporter that he's received more than 60 complaints about Car- uh, Carvana that involved all sorts of issues, but mainly it has to do with paperwork. They're failing to give DMV the title paperwork. They're failing to give inspection reports and the proper paperwork to the buyer and to the lenders who need it in order to do the financing, he added. Stein said Carvana's Charlotte location is under probation until November. It is allowed to operate, but he said he's keeping a a close eye on it. We're working to hold Carvana accountable, accountable, Stein said. Wake County DMV would not let Carvana sell cars for six months because of tag, title, and other issues. That suspension ended in January. Customers in another state are suing Carvana, claiming the company did not register their cars in a timely manner, so they were stuck paying for vehicles, which would open it to other drivers. Sorry, they said, but let me try that, that whole paragraph again. Customers in another state are suing Carvana, claiming the company did not register their cars in a timely manner, so they were stuck paying for vehicles they could not legally drive. They said it would be a should be a class action lawsuit, which would open it to other drivers, including ones in the, uh, in the Carolinas. Since the case is now is so new, the judge won't decide on that for a while. They did. The reporter did contact Carvana to try uh, to try to help Crowell. He asked the company about all these legal issues, but the company did not respond in time for this report. So it looks like Carvana is in trouble simply because they can't do paperwork. So apparently, this is not the place you want to go. You do not want to be going to Carvana to go shopping for a car. Now. Maybe they get this fixed soon and there's no worry. Maybe the, 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 these people get their cars uh, properly licensed and registered and get the insured, all that stuff. Maybe that happens soon. But right now, it looks like Carvana is in a world of hurt that doesn't really seem to have an end at the moment. 
And it all be, it's all because they're not filing paperwork. I don't know. I mean, it seems like a pretty simple, simple case, guys. Do your job. I don't know what, what's in the organization that is hurting them so badly that they're unable to do their job, but it would seem to me like that seems to be the problem. Somebody's not doing their job. Find that person, either train them better or release them. Either way, something's got to change, and it's got to change pretty quick if you ask me. Now, the final story I'm going to talk about today, and this is probably, this looks like it's going to be a shorter episode for you guys. So, you know, sometimes I'm nice, right? Sometimes I give you those short episodes. But it's possibly really, really good news. We'll have to wait and see if it holds up or not. And it's simply that a judge has permanently blocked the Biden oil and gas leasing pause in 13 states. Let me read this article to you from the Epic Times. A federal judge issued a permanent injunction on August 18th against the Biden administration's pause of new oil and gas leasing in federal lands. The injunction applies to the 13 states that sued the Biden administration over the moratorium in March of 2021, including Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia. Terry Dowdy, U.S. District Judge for the Western District of Louisiana, ruled that the White House overreached with the ban. President Joe Biden signed Executive Order 14,008 on January 27, 2021, banning all new oil and natural gas leases on federal lands and offshore waters. The order didn't cancel existing leases on federal lands and offshore waters. The leases on private lands were also weren't affected. 13 states led by Louisiana sued the Biden administration saying these lease ban the, say it, saying the lease ban violated the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act which governs offshore oil and gas leases and the Mineral Leasing Act which governs onshore land leases on federal lands. Dowdy issued a temporary injunction in the case in June. The injunction was overthrown by the 5th US Circuit of Appeals on August 17th. Dowdy's permanent injunction came a day after the circuit court's ruling. In the permanent injunction, Dowdy ruled that the executive branch has no authority to change both laws. Both statutes require government defendants, agencies, to sell oil and gas leases. The OCSLA has a five-year plan in effect that requires eligible leases to be sold. Government defendants' Agencies have no authority to make significant revisions to the OCSLA five-year plan without going through the procedure mandated by Congress. The MLA requires the DOI to hold lease sales where eligible lands are available at least quarterly, he wrote in his ruling. By stopping the process, the agencies are in effect amending two congressional statutes. Neither the OCSLA nor the MLA gives the government defendants agencies the authority to implement a stop of lease sales. Interior Department and the White House officials didn't respond to requests for comments by press time. Montana Attorney General Austin Knudsen applauded the permanent injunction. Conjunction, junction, I guess. The permanent injunction. President Biden's executive order to choke off energy development didn't just increase prices and hurt American families. It was flatly illegal. This decision is a victory for the rule of law and the workers and the rural communities who depend on the energy industry. 
An ongoing lease moratorium would have lowered employment by 210 jobs, reduced personal income by 13 million, and cost 4 million in oil and gas taxes in Montana in 2021, he said, citing a December 2020 study conducted by the University of Wyoming. So, what we understand is this, that according to the green initiatives of the current administration, of the Biden administration, their goal is to make America less dependent on oil and to make us move towards renewables such as wind, water, and solar. Oddly enough, not nuclear. What we know right now is simply this. The most efficient, most effective um, energy producer in, in the world is oil and natural gas. Those are incredibly efficient, incredibly um, easy to use, easy to, easy to produce. They, they already work on a mass scale. But the green initiatives of wind, solar, water, while they do produce a lot of energy, they do not produce even a small amount of energy comparatively to oil and natural gas and coal. The reason that this is, is they're rather unreliable. So water dependent on rain. If you do not have enough rain, you can't release water through the dams, thus moving the turbines. So that doesn't work. With wind, it's not always windy. Now they do place the rigs, the, the or not the rigs, the um, turbines in the windiest places that they can. But here's the thing. Those wind turbines are made of fiberglass. And at the speeds that they are running with this wind, they are eaten by debris in the wind, such as insects, dust, even rain. And if you ever look at the, the leading edge of the fan, basically, of the, of the turbines, um, you know how a ceiling fan, I have one running right now, the, on a ceiling fan, that, that leading edge collects dust and you have to clean it off. What happens is that on these turbines, the leading edge is moving very, very quickly. And the particles in the air chip away at that leading edge until it is no longer viable to use. What they then do with this is they take these, these turbines and they dig a hole in the ground and put them in it and bury it. Who knows what that's doing to the environment? But this is done all in the name of better for the environment. Maybe it is, but it's certainly not economical yet. Things are getting better, sure, but it is not economical. This is not a great way to do things. So what do, we, what do they do next? Well, then they have solar. Well, here's the thing, guys. Last time I checked that it, around half of the day, there's no solar. There's no sun. It's hiding on the other side of the planet. Unless you're a flat earther, then it just turns off. So it hides on the other side of the planet while we turn around, right? We're just running around in circles. And every 24 hours, we see the sun again, right? That's, that's how the day works. But that sun's not there. It's not making energy. 
So it's not producing energy for half the day. And if you live in the near near the North or the South Poles in the winter, it might even be longer than that, that you don't have solar to work with. So all of these methods are incredibly unreliable. And don't get me wrong, oil has its own drawbacks, namely the byproducts, the, the carbon that is put out. You know, if we understand anything about uh, the environment, which I don't know how much we understand, but the leading understanding right now is that carbon emissions are harming the atmosphere. So you're right. If that, if that is the case, then yes, it absolutely is true that oil and natural gas release carbon into the atmosphere and therefore cause problems if that understanding is the case. But what else do they do? They are the most reliable, consistent sources of power in the world. We take natural gas, we take oil, we take coal, and we burn it so that we can heat up steam, heat up the water into steam to cause the turbines to move, thus producing power. Did you know that we actually use water in the production of electricity through natural gas, oil, and coal? Yep, that's how we do it. We boil water, which is actually what you see in smokestacks outside of power plants and refineries. It's, it's all steam that, they're, that they are pushing out. Now, what this order says by the, by the judge is simply this. The Biden administration has no authority to stop giving leases for oil and natural gas. That was not granted to them by Congress. Now, if Congress wants to change that, then they have that power and they can do that. But until then, they must follow the rule of the law. And according to this judge, the rule of the law simply is that you will grant leases according to this plan set out in the law that you have to do this, this, and this. This seems like it is a small drop in the bucket for what is needed to happen with oil, with offshore drilling, because people are talking about how, well, it was Putin and his war with Ukraine that brought that drove up gas prices, which have been dropping. I will give credit where I can. The gas prices are dropping, but I'm not going to say it was Biden because he said it wasn't his fault when they were going up. So if it's not his fault when they're going up, it's not his fault when they're coming down. I'm just going to keep it fair. He said it wasn't, wasn't, there, wasn't his fault, so he can't take credit for it when it's dropping. I genuinely don't know what is causing the prices to drop, in all honesty. I have not seen much um, information on that. And if you, if you have information that you would like to give me, you know, reach out, right? You know, go to ZachsFactCheck.com. Let me know. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. You can reach out to me there. Also, at ZachsFactCheck. You can find me in those places. Let me know what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what information you have. I am always open to growing and to learning. But I'm not seeing anything that he's done that's made this better. Now, you know, we've known that he's banned these leases from being sold to companies to drill oil. What does that do? Well, that causes 
us to not have the ability to to produce more oil to meet demands, right? So prices go up. It's the law of supply and demand. If there's low supply and high demand, prices go up. If there's high supply, low demand, prices go down, right? That's how that works. We limited, artificially limited the supply ability while the demand kept growing. That's going to cause prices to go up. Now, this would be my thing. The reason I think, possibly, it's a theory of why gas prices have started coming down, it's because there is less demand for it because people aren't driving as much because they're not going on many trips because they can't afford them because they're desperately trying to put food on their table for their kids. That's what I think is taking place. I don't know. That's just a theory. I have no evidence for that outside of anecdotal, right? Of watching people I know, their lifestyles and how they've changed according to the prices that are growing. Now, I don't know if these, if these prices are going to go down anytime soon. I am hoping and praying that they will, but we'll see if that takes place. But guys, I don't know if this is going to be enough to put a drop in the bucket, right? I don't know if that's going to be enough. I hope it is. I hope that this does what we need it to do, that this allows us to be able to get more gas production. But the thing is, is that businesses have been told by this administration, oil businesses have been told by this administration that they want them to be gone in a number of years. So that does not really give them the incentive to expand production because they're going to put all of this money and effort into expanding production just to have it taken from them by the the administration. I mean, I wouldn't do that if I knew that you were going to take my job, my business from me, I would not expand it. I would not add into it. In fact, you know, you know, so I have, a, I have my car. I'm, I'm getting ready to trade it out, get rid of it, sell it, whatever you want to call it. And it needs new wipers. Now they're not bad. Like they don't, it's not like they don't work or anything, but you know, like there's a little bit of a you know streak here. Are they like, right? They, they could be better. Ordinarily, I would say, ah, I'll go ahead and replace that. I'm going to get rid of my car in the next week or two. So that doesn't make sense. Why would I put that money on there? Just, they're going to because re- they're going to replace that whenever they get the car. So now we just have a set of you know wasted wiper blades. That makes no sense whatsoever. It's the same thing here with the oil companies. They say, they're saying, "Look, we're about to lose our business because of you." Not because they're out of money right now. That's not what I'm saying. But because the government has signaled pretty profusely that everything that they're doing is to destroy oil companies. Good, bad, or ugly, that's what they want to do. So the oil companies are like, well, fine. Then we're just not going to expand our our business. We're not going to expand our abilities. We're not going to help you destroy us, which makes total sense. I absolutely understand that thought process. It makes total sense to me. Why in the world would you do that? Why would you put the wipers on the car you're getting rid of? Now, it's another story, and I, I will say this, it, 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 it would be another story if the wiper blades were just, like, they're scratching the window off, right? I would replace those, one, because I need them, right? You know, it's, rain, it's raining right now outside where I'm recording. I need those. I need to be able to see. But that doesn't mean that I would, I, I'm going to do this now because, like I said, they're still working. They're just not perfect, right? They're still producing oil. They're still producing gasoline, just not as much as Biden administration is begging them to do, as much as the economy needs them to do. 
because there's no reward in this risk. None. As long as this administration is here telling them that, hey, we're going to get rid of you as soon as we can, they're not going to expand. It's just not going to happen. And every single action by this administration is saying that they're going to get rid of the oil companies. So what do you want from them? This is like saying, this is like if you abuse your wife and then expect her to be happy. No, that's not how that works. You don't get to beat people up and then say, why, why are you upset? Well, could you just beat me up, stupid? Why do you think I'm upset? It's ridiculous. And, you know, hopefully this helps. Hopefully this does put a dent in the, in the, the, the deficit of oil that we, we have right now. I, I don't know, but maybe it does. But I think that's the way we're going to end today's episode. And, guys, I really have enjoyed um, this episode to a degree. I, I, I know I got a little bit passionate at the top. Again, it's nine kids who have contracted a sexually transmitted disease. So I think there's pretty big questions that should be asked. And again, if you share no other video, if you share no other podcast, make this one the one you share because I want those questions answered. Maybe somebody will get them to me. Maybe it'll make enough uh, fuss that people will actually start asking those questions. Let them know that we want these answers. We want those kids protected if the answers come out to be what we suspect it to be. Now, that is the end of the episode. Guys, I thank you so much for watching, continually coming back and letting me know just what you think of this podcast. It means so much to me. You remember, go to zacksfactshack.com. Let everybody know about this podcast. Let them see how much you love it. But until next time, I'm your host, Zach. And this is Zach's Fact Shack. Yeah.